The following episode contains explicit language, violence, discussions of bigotry, and use of alcohol. Previously on Masks and Mayhem. When you open up the cabinet, there's a man and he's like chained up to the back of the cabinet. Is this guy dressed like one of the crew? He is not. His hair is a mess. He's got some matted blood like just all over his face. All right, bud, I've got, like, 20 questions, and we've got time for, like, three. Who the fuck are you, and why the fuck did you get in here? When you open the cabinet, though, Yardak and Ruby, you recognize this person. Oh? It is Kaito Tanaka, <gasps> better known as Brigand. Brigand? Oh, jeez, not this one. Well, I, uh, finally got clearance from Kevin to fill y'all in on where, I, where I've been this past year. Oh, yeah, do tell. Yeah. Well, it was a little bit of globetrotting, but I spent most of it in South America. Betsy's got me searching for this, uh... Well, I found it. It's like a mystical energy source. Apparently, Betsy's been working with some, uh... Mystics, and they determined that this uh, energy source would be useful for a project that, that Union's working on. What project? That one I don't know about. I know, I know they want to basically, uh, use it to power something. Oh, that doesn't ever end well. I was uh, tasked with uh, tracking it down and safeguarding it and uh, running some tests over one of our other bases to make sure it was stable, make sure it wasn't, uh, you know, corrupting anything like that. That's always good to know. And, uh, yeah, the uh, the lab boys got it all stable, and, and that's when Betsy told me to bring it on back to Echo Base. Moments ago, you learned that you are no longer strictly human. Dr. Lydia Alvarado sits in front of you, looking intently at her drink after revealing this. What's going through your mind? What the hell? I'm, like, not completely human now? I haven't been completely human for a while, I guess? I just looked into a meteor that gave me very specific powers that were very useful to me? Lydia takes another sip of her drink. I I can't speak for exactly what it is. I just think similar to the way that post-human powers manifest, you know, based on uh, emotions and based on situations, I, I believe, you know, something about your personality did impact your connection. I, I'm sorry that I kept this from you. I didn't, sincerely didn't know how you would react. I... Uh... I'm not even sure how I'm reacting. This is all very confusing. Are you going to be okay? I... I think so. I mean... My life's already so goddamn weird. Might as well add this, I guess. I've... avoided adding this to your file at Union. Is there a reason for that? Should I be concerned? 
I mean, I don't know if it's a reason to be concerned. You just represent something unique, something we've never seen before. Why did you avoid adding it to the file if there was someone you think would exploit the fact I'm unique? Union takes great lengths to, to study you know, post-human activity and, to some degree, exobiology. And I don't know if, if you know, they would want us to, to study you more closely. And I, you know, I value your trust and I didn't want you to think differently of yourself but i also knew that this was monumental a, a, you know a, a major thing about you that you didn't know that i i didn't feel i could keep from you any longer i appreciate that i appreciate you looking out for me well ruby i've i've enjoyed getting to know you this, these past few years you know watching you grow as a hero it's not necessarily the path i i thought i was destined for but there's that old saying, life is what happens to you when you're trying to make plans. I must agree. Ruby, I think if you think you're going to be alright, I think I'm going to head home. Okay, I... Is there any reason I should keep this, like, from my teammates? They're probably fine to tell, right? That's entirely up to you. I, I think you should take some time to, to sit with this and feel, figure out how you feel about it, but... Who you tell, of course, from this point is entirely your business. Well, thank you again. Uh, sorry, just, just a lot to deal with. A lot to think about. Of course. And she stands up and she puts her hand against your shoulder and says, Just don't forget, you know, you have friends and people you can turn to. And don't worry about the tab here. I'll, I'll pay for it. Very much appreciated. Uh, and with that, she heads out. What do you do? I order one last drink. And what do you do after that? I take a lift back to my apartment. Or what time is it? Maybe I go to Jack's pub and get more drinks. Uh, I would say it's, let me see. I mean, you guys, I think, said you were going to meet. Seven. Yeah. I don't know why I know that, but it was seven. <laughs> so, I mean, you had a little bit of food, a little bit of drink, and then you got home. So, I I don't know. I imagine that would be like two hours you know it's probably like you know somewhere around like nine or ten at most yeah she'd have found out she's an alien get fucked up <laughs> yeah i was like you know i'm gonna text bethany and be like can you meet me at jack's and she texts back yeah yeah i'm just finishing up a live stream i'll be right i'll be right right over thumbs up emoji bethany meet you down there hey ruby what's up hey uh she's already ruby already has a drink and i was just like hey you know and she ruby looks around make sure no one's listening you want to make a perception check? Uh, yeah. Sure. She just grabs her by the lapel. She goes, I'm a fucking alien. <laughs> That's... <laughs> Alright, well then you're going to have to make a stealth check to see how stealthy you, you screamed at. <laughs> Seven. Yeah, I mean, the, the bar's not too uh, too busy. You just see uh, there's Bill and Maury sitting at the end, chatting up uh, Jack, who's just, you know, cleaning the bar. Are they just like the Cliff and Norm of this bar? Always there? Yeah, basically, they're just, like, always there, you know. Don't dig too deep into their personal lives. It's all very sad. Oh, yikes. Probably a couple other stragglers, but no one really, uh... Yeah, so I was just looking at her. You know how I was, uh, having dinner with Lydia? Yeah, yeah, you you left a little while ago. Sorry, and you know, did, did, uh, you didn't want me to come with or anything, right? No, no, I mean, that, that's fine, I... I get the reason she wanted to have dinner is she had something to tell me. Okay. That this is kind of 
big information for me, and I just kind of need to not have it only be mine. Apparently, when I touch the meteor, you know, big shining ones, all of a sudden I have, ma- like, powers. Right. Apparently it changed my DNA, and my DNA is now part alien? Like, I'm not technically a post-human. I'm just not completely human. And her eyes go wide, and her jaw just kind of drops a little bit. What? And I just, like, whisper, but, like, really big, go, right? Are you... okay? I I think so. I mean, life was already weird to begin with. I One of my best friends is an Atlantean. Like, life's pretty weird. Yeah, I... I think we're getting drunk tonight. Yeah, and I just downed my drink. What are Yardak and Laserhawk up to this fine evening? You know, I've honestly been meaning to put a little TLC into the Laser Hut. So I'm putting a little effort into the Laser Hut, moving some shit around, trying to get it a little more organized, taking time to play fetch with Bodega in between moving heavy shit. Okay, how's Bodega been? Fantastic. Never before have I seen a pup as happy as this one. I wish I could have this kind of relationship with my son. (laughs) (laughs) Have you and Carl Lance been texting very much or or talking at all since since your last little back and forth? I mean, anytime he hits me up, I'm as quick as possible to respond to him, but I'm not really rushing to get a hold of him. I'm just sort of letting him go at his own pace right now. Okay. Basically, I'm terrified that if I talk to him too much, I'm going to fuck it up. With the laser hut, and you're kind of like fixing it up, are you fixing any of the windows that are broken? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, at the very least, I'm trying to saran wrap them. You know, I'm I'm not, like, able to put any serious money or nothing into it, but I'm trying to make it, you know, this is my designated training area. Let's make my sleeping area a little nice. Maybe I should saran wrap some of these windows shut. What do I even do with all of these tires? My god, there's so many tires. Make cool seating. I could do that. If you get some rope, you could make some cool little, like, jumping hoops for a bodega. Oh my goodness, I have so many options with these tires. Alright, well I guess I'm starting to plan out what I'm gonna do with some of these tires as suddenly three voices chime in from the back of my head. Alright, and what is Yardak up to? On this certain Thursday, he is not really doing too much of anything. He's decided he wanted to walk around downtown Riverside. He's kind of doing some window shopping. He doesn't really get much downtime with all the, you know, giant waves and cornians and, you know, just like like other attacks. So he's taking a little day to himself to just walk around, stop at some like little stands, get a hot dog. You swing my Barnes and Noble. That seems like a yard act thing to do. Yeah, gets a book, finds a nice coffee. I'm imagining like you have to buy like freezer bags or something to like ziplock the book into when you swim home. Oh my god! What if he made like he could put it in a little like the little like the bubble he put Mo in? Also, stop thinking about it too hard. What about the tablet you recovered from uh, the Calypso in our last adventure? Was it just like, because I know there was runes in the room, but what did the tablet itself have on it? Was it just like more runes? No, well, the tablet had like uh, etchings and inscriptions on it uh, in like ancient Atlantean. 
So I can kind of understand some little things on there, but like the vast majority of it is lost on me. So I am going to take it to Atlantis to take it directly to the king to say, is what is this? Is it important? Should this be something that's kept more hush-hush? Uh, I mean, you can read more or less what's on it. Like, it, it's, uh, you know, it's like, you know, trying to read Old English, basically. Oh, okay. I thought it was going to be something more in-depth than that. <laughs> in-depth. No, 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 no. Like, you definitely can tell, like, it's not, like, what, what you normally would speak, but it's, it's, uh, it's legible, more or less. Uh, and for the most part, it just appears to be a bit of, like, history about Atlantis, uh, a little bit, um, I won't say, like, it's not a map, but it kind of talks about the area surrounding Atlantis. Like, if anything, it was, like, from a history book. Hmm, okay. Well, I mean, in, then, in that case, I guess I wouldn't even really need to go to, like, asking what it's about. Just I've been kind of checking it over and like, the time since we've been back, and since it's not really anything sort of pressing, it's just kind of keeping it to the back of my mind, and then whenever I take my next trip to Atlantis, try to see if maybe I can't find the places that the tablet is talking about. So you're just, like, keeping it in your apartment at Riverside? As of now. Whenever I, like, go back to Atlantis, I'll show it to the king. Yardak. Yes. It is a year and a half ago. Okay. The day before Brigand attacked Riverside City Mm -hmm. and attempted to steal the chain Hydra Splitter. The day before, you were in Atlantis to provide support for the king and rally the people against the insurgency that had just begun to start. How are you going about this? Okay, so even though uh, Atlantis is a monarchy, it's not like the royal family is, like, removed from society. People see them on the streets. And because I am friendly with the royal family, I am sort of known down there as well. So while I'm there, I just kind of talk to, like, regular people, like, go about my business and talk to more people than I normally would to get the vibe from them to see if they sort of agree with the insurrectionist movement or, like, disagree and how they feel about it and how they feel about me being up on the surface and bringing more attention to Atlantis and what that would mean to them and kind of seeing where the vast majority of people lie on either side of the coin. Okay. Well, let's roll a persuasion check then. On the whole populace? Persuasion 7 plus 9 is 16. Yeah, I mean, you know, you feel that people that you're speaking with are are being honest with you, you know, because at this point, the insurrection movement is primarily looking to reform the government, you know, to make it uh, almost more of a, like, a republic or a democracy. The insurrection's mostly on four claim right now. Fuck off! God! But you generally feel, from what people are saying, is it's not that they hate the monarchy, it's more that just they don't feel they have a say, and they're not sure if, despite the royal family, you know, kind of walking among them, they don't necessarily know if they're really cared for. Okay. There's definitely, like, some, uh, not protests, but, like, larger-scale meetings going on in parts of Atlantis. Okay, so they, basically, the common consensus is they want to feel more heard. Yeah, uh, but I mean, if this is before it started splintering into groups like Yardane's group, who wants to just rule the surface world. You had previously fought with the Insurrection's leader and, and captured him, Yartrav. And I'm asking, what? but the day before Brigand's attack, you're visiting, mm-hmm. and there's this protest going on. What do you do? So, like, I saw somebody basically up on their soapbox. It was, a, like, a bit of a stage that somebody kind of crafted. And so, like, this guy is, like, standing up above the people, shouting about, Landwalkers this, and, like, Atlantis uh, is superior, and going on and on and on. A water supremacist, if you will. 
So I see him and like he sees me and I kind of asked to come up on the stage and he lets me. Uh, I don't I don't know if if he lets you. Okay, yeah, not so much lets me. So I kind of just go up on the stage. <laughs> okay, and what do you do? There was like there's some booing and jeers and like people using their Atlantean slurs. And I just start talking to them and I'm like, I just want to say, I know, I know, I feel you on some of these fronts. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of them yet. I've only just got up there. Most of them are just terrible people. Everybody up top is just so worried about themselves and they don't care about their, the land, let alone the ocean. So like, I, I get it. I do. But we've only just really made contact with them. We have to at least give them the benefit of the doubt. If they, do screw this up, then by all means, I'll be out here protesting with you. But do you think at least for now, potentially try to keep at least a little bit of an open mind? If not for me, for potentially the future of Atlantis. All right, roll persuasion. Uh, 15 plus 9 is 24. Yeah, I think a good portion of the crowd that is meeting here, even the ones that were kind of like booing and jeering you, they're more amenable to your kind of like peaceful approach. And, and they kind of start dispersing. And, of course, some of, like, the more ardent supporters, like, you know, basically tell you to go fuck yourself. Yeah. And they just start leaving, too. One guy almost looks like he wants to, like, you know, engage you. But some of his friends pull him back and say, you don't want to get the royal guard down here. They'll throw you in the prison. He's too connected. You can't go after him. After dispersing this crowd, do you do anything else in Atlantis before heading back to Riverside? More or less the same. Uh, not so much soapbox preaching, but talking to people to see how widespread the insurrection movement has become, how much support it may or may not have. Quick last minute chat with the king, finding the prince, Yarkalen, touching base with him. It's been a little bit since we've seen each other and kind of tell him what I've been up to up top and hope that he might come visit at some point or maybe I can come back down a little bit more frequently and then head home. Back to the present. It is now the next day after Ruby's meeting with Alvarado. What are each of you up to? Ruby's nursing a hangover. A hangover. Oh, yeah, no, I'm nursing a hangover. Like, oh, okay. How crazy did it get? I mean, I don't think we got like partying, but like uh, quite a bit of drinking. Okay. I think we stayed at the pub. That way, you know, you still had to walk across the street back to the place. That's what Ruby's doing this morning. What about what about the other two? I mean, I had a pretty big night last night, moving stuff around, sleeping, playing with the dog. Okay. I'm having a good day for once. Yeah, and so far I haven't gotten any calls from Union, so I've sent out a text to both Ruby and Laserhawk and said, just touch a base, like, hey guys, what's up? What, what have you been up to since our last little exploit? I definitely sent a cute video. I took a bodega. I just say alcohol. <laughs> I want to point something out. It is as established, and I would love for this to change, that Yardak and Laserhawk have flip phones. Yeah. So I don't know how good of a fucking video you sent. Oh, yeah, fair point. Well, no, wait, no, my, mine's a Nokia. Mine's a Nokia, which is why you didn't make me use an equipment point. Okay, I guess it's a cute picture. Still not good quality on a flip phone. I don't give a shit. It's cute. Yeah, like it was taken with a potato. Ruby buys laser hawk a phone just to get better pictures of dog. I'm fine with that. So not long after that, you all get a group text. Of course. From... It is your buddy, Frank Dunlap. Oh, hey, Frankie. What's up? Hey, guys, I got uh, something big going down at Echo Base today. Would love for you to come by. Thumbs up. Uh, what, what time do you need us? 
the thing's gonna be happening uh, cl- closer to closer to three. Only at the door. I got nothing better than you. Oh, okay, so Laserhawk's heading like straight to Echo Base. Wait, what time is it? How late did uh, Laserhawk sleep in? I mean, I'm gonna say I'll leave around like noon at the latest. Get Bodega all set up, ready to go, and then uh, I don't know. Echo Base has those potato chips I'm so fond of in the vending machine, and they got those juice boxes I so enjoy. I'm gonna go raid the vending machine. The cafeteria is free, right? Stop like stop spending money at the vending machine. And no one was gonna tell me this before now. We have No no, I love this idea that Laser Hawk, despite being there many times, does not know there's a mess hall. Are you kidding me? It's not like I hang out there, get in and get out, quit fucking about yo ho, yo ho, yo ho. I have Ruby has told I think he just ignored. I also believe that. Look, in all fairness, anytime we're at Echo Base, it's usually like Shit's going down. We're never there because it's like, hey, we're having a surprise birthday party for Frank. Let's all bust a pinata. Can we do that in an episode? Maybe. We'll see. All right. So, yeah, Laserhawk's heading there around noon. And I guess raiding the cafeteria. Fuck. I think he gets there and meets up with Agent Rickard. They do like a, you know, a fist bump. Uh, Laserhawk's going to go to the vending machine and Rickard's like, why don't we just go to the mess? Alright, so what about the other two? What were your responses to Frank's request? And I say, I guess I'll also head out about noon. I don't think it's a hangover that puts you out all day. And also, you know you'll be seeing me, and I'll just go... Yeah, and I'm just like, I still have a bit of a hangover. Good to drive, but I'm like, it's helpful I'll be seeing Yardak. <laughs> and I guess I'll head out around noon, just get in my van. I guess I ask Yardak, do you need a ride? Yeah, I'll send in the group chat, like, uh, PLZ, pick me, and then an arrow pointing up. You can do that on Nokia. I don't know, can you? Which I also think is funny, because Yardak lives infinitely closer to Echo Base than either of you. Well, she can still get me on the way. Echo Boing. I imagine that Laserhawk was Pulsar Puggling. So I, uh, listening to some podcast about filmmaking, and I go and pick up uh, Yardak. Hell yeah. When he gets in, I ask if I could have a heal because I have a hangover. (laughs) And I say, uh, yes, please, if you're driving, please be at peak capacity. Yeah. And I give her a little Healy Mojo Mojo. Thanks. And then we rock out to the Emotion album. Let's go. We're just going down the street, singing Run Away With Me at, like, peak volume. Does this album, which I admittedly do not know, represent the mood that Ruby is in? I think maybe not necessarily. They're all pretty happy songs, but I think maybe Ruby's like... I'm going to sing a song I like to sing on the top of my lungs on the top of my lungs because life is weird and I need something normal. Does anything else go on between there and, and getting to Echo Base? Nah, just girl time. Ruby needs some superhero girl time. She misses Myra. So I imagine, like, you know, you, because you've been there often enough, like, again, you're not a, an employee, but, like, they're, they allow you to, like, park the van in the garage so that, like, it doesn't have to sit outside. I text Alan Rickard, like, I'm at the base, and, he, and I assume he texts, like, oh, I'm at the mess hall with Laserhawk, so we go up there. He takes, like, a wide-angle selfie with him and Laserhawk? Who is, before a disgusting amount of fried chicken, it should be noted. <laughs> okay, so yeah, do you guys meet up in the mess hall, then? Yeah. Ruby also gets some fried chicken. I think Rickard, like, does one of those big, like, bear hug and, like, picks you up. Adorable. I have pictured a very large man when you when we talk about him. I think a tall man, not necessarily like bulky, but And uh what do you uh what do you do? I eat fried chicken. I, I eat fried chicken, I 
don't tell anyone what's going on with me, because I'm not quite ready yet. I'm tucking into my veggie stir-fry. The great thing about the mess hall at Echo Base is it just has, like, so many different kinds of food on, like, any given day. Like, it's never really the same menu twice. Like, there are certain staples. Like, I would imagine, like, fried chicken's probably one of them. I imagine that all of my money goes into Bugdega's belly, so I think that you just gave me an excuse to swing by Union Base a few more times a week. I will also remind you that you are not an employee here either. Uh, that's fine. I help save the world. Yeah. I start trying to convince Laserhawk that he needs a, he either needs to get a camera or a better phone because I need better pictures of Bodega. Uh, yes. Let me do that with the mountains of income I make being a vigilante superhero that lives in a warehouse. I don't know. Sell some of the tires. Oh, oh, oh. Hey! Yeah, I could probably sell some of the shit in the warehouse for scrap. Yeah! Ruby, you're fucking smart! I know. I don't know, maybe you could sign them as Laserhawk, get get even more money for them. I feel like that would not do a whole lot for my whole trying to keep a low-profile and sound thing, but I like your moxie, kid. Probably not, but I need better pictures of the dog. Come over and take pictures of the dog, you know where I live. And I go, but I need the pictures of the dog all the time when he's just sleeping in his natural habitat. He's always so excited when I'm there. You would be amazed how often that boy sleeps. I think it's around this point that Sloane kind of actually, like, stumbles his way into the mess hall. I also texted Frank and let him know where they were here. Sloane kind of stumbles his way in, sees y'all over there, kind of just texting while walking, and then slides in next to you. Hey, what up? Soup. Just another beautiful day, my friends. What's going on? You're in a good mood. What's going on with you? Big, big, big test day. Uh, I think Frank ca- called you down for the main event, right? Uh, he called us here, but we didn't know for what. Oh, oh, I'm I'm not gonna tell you then. I'm gonna let him surprise you, because he's super excited. Well, I wouldn't want to ruin Frank's excitement. I would. Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. No, no. I'm assuming I also have a fry, and I just go, shut up, and I throw a fry at Laserhawk. Uh, can I roll the ketchup with my mouth? Uh, roll agility. Fuck, I was hoping you wouldn't say that. Or sorry, no, that'd be, that'd be, I guess, would it be agility or dexterity? Uh, I just rolled a 19, so if it's an agility, it's an unnatural 20. If it's a dexterity, it's a 22. I'm, I'm, I'm playing with this dice for a bit. I'm gonna say it was agility, more about how quick you move to catch it. Alright, then an unnatural 20. Straight, straight on, straight on, you got it. Booyah. That's actually kind of impressive. I would have been totally willing to use a hero point there just saying. Wow. You know, Sloan sh- shoots off a couple more texts, puts his phone away, goes and grabs a quick bit of food, and comes back to the table. So how's everyone doing? Good, good. Convincing. Can't you tell she's not going through any kind of existential crisis right now? It's fine. Everything's fine. Or extraterrestrial crisis, I guess. <laughs> At least for Sloan, he does not pick up on your very stilted <laughs> response. Can I roll an investigation check to see if I catch on? I think that would be insight. Insight, okay. Can I roll one of them? Yeah. Ruby, you would need to roll deception, is what you're rolling. I rolled pretty well. Alright, what were your totals? 26. Oh, 26. Oh, well, I need to figure out how a tie works on this. <laughs> Shit! <laughs> For ties to oppose checks, the character with the higher bonus wins. What was yours again, Ruby? Mine was ten! Fuck. 
But then what happens if they both had an 8? If the bonuses are the same, roll a d20. On a 1 to 10, one character wins. On an 11 to 12, victory goes to the other character. Ah. Oh, fair enough. So at that point, you basically flip a coin? Yeah, basically. I didn't even lie. I successfully kept a secret. With how close that was, can I at least be, like, slightly fishy? Like, can I be, like, worried that, like, Ruby and Bethany got in an argument or something? I'll allow it. I'll allow it. How about you, Yardak? How's things going? Uh, ever since uh, that trip to the boat, uh, just kind of hanging around town, poking my head around, seeing what, like, going to different shops and stuff, and just kind of hanging out. Not really doing too much. And uh, I think uh, Sloan, like, kind of elbows you. He's like, yeah, sorry I wasn't there that time to pick up your slack. Right? It was our first mission without you. It was a little weird being out in the field without our go-to guy. Hey, hey, maybe next time. And I think that's when Rickard, like, checks his watch, kind of, like, motions to Sloan, and, and they both kind of stand up. Yeah, we gotta go meet up with the press. Let's see what this little surprise is all about. So you're gonna you're gonna follow them? Yep. Vominos, let's go. Uh, yeah, you head up to the bullpen where all the agents are, you see Frank, and also, with their back to you, you see Betsy Bullard. <gasps> Yay! My girl! Who the fuck is that? <laughs> oh, yeah. It's the head of you, dude. Oh. I don't know if she's gonna like me. We'll see. She's talking with Ramos and with Frank. When y'all come up the stairs, kind of turns around towards you. Betsy! Hey, kid, how's it going? I go up to Betsy and, like, I kind of, like, smile and, like, open my arms and I give her, like, a quick, like, one-arm tug. I was like, hey, it's good to see you. She absolutely returns the hug. You too, friend. Things are good now. Seeing you is always good. Roll deception. No, no, we're not gonna, I'm not gonna do this every time Ruby just says things are fine. I imagine she doesn't have a thousand yard stare that really gives it away. (laughs) Frank just goes, hey, guys, I'm glad you're able to make it. Anyho, Neymarino. Betsy also goes, yes, I'm also glad that you were invited to today's event. Oh, so you weren't the surprise. Oh, yeah, I figured you were the surprise. Director Bullard, uh, do you know Laserhawk? I know of your exploits, but uh, no, I, we've never had the pleasure. And, and she reaches her hand out to you. Yeah, up the handshake and say hi ho He's been an invaluable part of this team uh, since Myra went on her mission. Friend of these two is a friend of mine, so thanks for coming. Oh, thank God. <laughs> and, you know, Ramos is standing behind her, like, at attention, you know, as normal. He checks his watch and he says, I believe we're ready, Director. Okay, let's see what uh, this is all about. Frank claps his hands together and rubs them a bit. All right, guys, if you will follow us. And then they lead you into Director Bullard's office. You know, well, formerly Director Bullard's, now it's uh, Ramos's office. She should take the office back. Yep, it's hers. The office, of course, has a giant floor-to-ceiling window on the back that takes up the entire back wall. Mm -hmm. Looking out at the, well, previously forested area behind Echo Base. You had all kind of taken notice that there was some work going on, and you realize now that they've been kind of uh, clearing out a bit of the forest around the area behind the base. Is it just an empty clearing now, or is there something there? Uh, so you see a device. Like, it's not very big, I would say. It's, you know, maybe the size of a normal desk sitting out there, and it has a little arm held out with a little platform at the top of the arm. Okay. And what you see is the container for the item that Rickard had acquired. Oh. Oh, that, uh, the Ark of the Covenant, basically. Ooh. Oh, have you uh, discovered what it 
does or what it can do or uh, why do we have it out there? Betsy looks at you and says, well, this is the Jewel of Bolivar. We believe it contains an extreme amount of power that'll be necessary for some of our projects. We've been having trouble tapping into it, but Frank and Lydia together have come up with a plan on how we can finally kickstart it, for lack of a better term. Oh, fuck. Can it run Doom? Frank goes, it cannot, in fact, run Doom. <laughs> oh, it can't be that impressive. I kind of nudge it, Frank. It's a bit of an overcast day, and there's some people out near the platform kind of hooking up some cables to it, and running some lines back to the base. When you say power, uh, do you mean, like, to run things, or, like, mystical power, or what are we looking at here? Well, in this case, we mean electricity, that it can be used to power a good number of items. Oh. Fucking Italy, that's pretty neat, though. That's always good to have. In such a small capacity, you know, the power of multiple uh, nuclear reactors in terms of the amount of electrical output. If we can harness it properly. Damn. The risk of meltdown or anything of that nature? That was exactly why we sought it out. Everything indicates that, you know, the power radiates from it, but... It, you know, it does not seem to be able to be uh, destroyed in, in such a manner that could lead to such a meltdown. It doesn't require any of its own cooling or anything of that nature. Okay. My worry here is that with that kind of power, somebody could track it or sense it or steal it. And then we have other issues on hand. This is not a, a Ruby thing, because this is not part of Ruby's backstory. As someone who lives in Japan when the nuclear things broke down, I appreciate the lack of being able to melt down like that. Yardak, Betsy puts her arm on your shoulder, and she points out towards it and says, We are taking every precaution to keep this thing safeguarded. You know, if, if, if we're able to harness this ability, it could be revolutionary for Union and for the world at large. Oh, don't get me wrong, Betsy. I, I 100% see the positives. But uh, with the way our luck has gone th some of these times, it's hard not to think of the negatives. I understand. Such is the life of a superhero. Someone tries to take the crystal, we kick their ass. Sounds like a plan. Does homeboy have, like, a nice mahogany desk or something? Yes. I'm just gonna discreetly, like, slide over and knock on that a couple times. <laughs> And so, yeah, I imagine that they're all kind of standing at the window, looking out, you know, towards this device. And what are y'all doing? I think I'm looking like Ruby's really into sci-fi. This is like real life sci-fi. She's fascinated. Was that it as far as like the thing? Like we're not, it's not going to do anything right now, which is just us seeing it getting set up. Uh, well, I mean, they're getting ready to, to get started is what they said. Oh, okay. So like they're going to like fire it up. Basically. Okay, I want to get a little closer to the window. And a voice comes over the loudspeaker and says, All right, should be the next few moments. And uh, Borg goes, Excellent. You all keep an eye out. It's about to get exciting up in here. What, no countdown? Famous last words. Well, Frank and Bullard and even Ramos are all kind of checking their phone and their watches. Count down, count down. In about 30 seconds, things are going to get exciting around here. Are they ever boring around here? You start to hear like a little bit of a, a crackling of thunder in the distance. Everything, like for lack of a better term, like a sizzle, like it's. And you can hear it like coming through the loudspeaker. Oh, okay. And you hear another voice come over the loudspeaker. Hyperact incoming. One cosmic bolt for special delivery. <gasps> ah! Oh shit! 
with a streak of purple across the field, you can just barely make out the form of Myra Hassan, a.k.a. Hyperact. Myra! I wish people could see my face right now. Who the fuck is that? Basically, as the streak comes across the field, there is basically a quick stop, a hop, and she throws a lightning bolt straight at this thing. And this bolt is is of a, a higher brightness of purple than you had ever seen Myra previously throw. Oh, damn girl! And immediately after throwing the bolt, she begins uh, taking off again and circles back around and throws another one. Okay. Straight at the device, which suddenly on its own begins glowing a uh, like very violent shade of purple. Looks up at Ruby. Your old teammate can do that. You hang out with my dumbass. <laughs> you're you're late to pretty too. I give him like a tap on the back. It's not what I was worried about, but that's all been comforting to hear. And as she continues running, you you hear someone come up on the loudspeaker. Everything's powering up, Director. Everything looks good. Bullard's face lights up like, yes, it's working. You hear Myra come on, on the loudspeaker again. Hey, friends. Laserhawk, stellar codename, by the way. Nice to not really, but kind of sort of meet ya. Honey. You, you start to hear a bit more static in the line. Wish I could stay longer, but I gotta rush back to my mission. I think it's going... Ah! And with that, she cuts out. Oh, this was such a tease! I miss Saba! Dude, same. Hard same. I know! I'm glad y'all enjoyed that. I was not expecting that! Everything's holding steady, Director. We've, we've got it. Frank and Bullard and Ramos are all kind of, like, shaking hands, like, congratulating each other. At the back, in the bullpen, you see Lewis and also Sloane kind of, like, jumping up and, like, hooting and hollering. Kevin Lewis, like... Being that excited is fucking adorable. <laughs> Rickard, Rickard just breathes a big sigh of relief. Okay, see how everybody's very happy? We're going to keep that going. I clap uh, Frank on the back and go, good job, buddy. I'm just glad we could get Myra back, even if it was just for a second to get that taken care of. You know, I, I when I started calculating this, I realized, like, we needed someone who could jolt it, but who could get away quick enough in case there was any kind of malfunction. Smart. It was nice to hear her voice even for just a little bit. Hey out there. Want to thank everyone who took the time to fill out our listener survey. As we round out season one, I have started planning on what we will do on our break in between seasons and what comes next. Should see some big changes and hopefully some improvements as to what that'll be. Also, just a reminder that posting on social media using the hashtag MayhemCast could have your name appear in the show. Could be character, location, item, who knows? But for now, let's get back to the game. Ruby, it is a year and a half ago. You are filming with Bethany. What is the scene? I'm filming, uh, no, it's still the spy movie, right? That, that would still be what we're filming? I imagine it was still the Black Cat. Yeah. This is literally, like I said, the day before Brigand's attack. So we're filming a scene in a a restaurant that we had to only able to use at night. We have, like, our friends there as extras, basically. An intense standoff between her and, and the villain where they, they meet up in the middle of the movie at a restaurant and are both trying to keep their cover. I imagine it's like one of those standoffs where they're both sitting at a table like it's a normal meal. Yes, but it's very tense. All right, uh, let's roll a filmmaking check. Nat 20. 
And I have an 11 filmmaking, so yeah. I'm an amazing fucking filmmaker. This is why this film's getting, like, all the hype it's getting now. Yeah, you mean, you, you'd been having some problems with the scenes before, but this one runs super smoothly. I, I was gonna say that I think I wrote most of the script, and I'm just like, I was worried, maybe the scene isn't as good as I think it is, and when I'm seeing people perform, I'm like, yes, this is exactly what I wanted. Yeah, Azra is, like, really killing it in the role, like, she's really taking well to your direction. And all of the shots are going so well, like, you're only having to take, like, maybe one or two takes for most of them. Good, because we do not have a budget. Right, and there's also, like, you know, clock is ticking because you gotta get out of this restaurant before, uh, before it's too late. Mm-hmm. Bethany comes up and she goes, I think, I think we got all the things we need for this scene. Um, anything else that you want to get? Let's maybe get some B-roll of the restaurant just to have it in case we need to cut anywhere. Yeah, yeah. And she goes and starts kind of like, everyone's kind of eating like fake food. Mm-hmm. And she's kind of like just getting some, you know, shots of different people eating at different, you know, medium close-ups, uh, mm-hmm. close-ups of the food. Oh, we should get some wide shots, too. Look at Rachel. No one's some fancy filmmaking terms. You finish filming, and everyone's kind of like clearing out for the night. It's kind of just you two and Azra and the owner, like, finishing up. You know, because I'm, I'm a nice person and also very grateful. I'm, I'm helping the owner set stuff for the morning. He doesn't have to do it all himself. Okay. Ruby, you really don't have to do that. You were you sound like Mario. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm doing. <laughs> it's a me, it's Giuseppe. <laughs> you were so kind to to let us film here and then you you kept giving us free food. You're, you've been more than kind. I got gotta repay the favor. The uh the North End sticks together. You come back and Giuseppe will make you a nice dinner. Don't you know, don't be a stranger now. And I go, of course not. Every side Ruby has a bit of stranger. Like, she's, she's gone back. Yeah, you didn't just go use his restaurant and then never show up again. I, she breaks her to bring friends. She calls it the hidden gem of the North End. All right, you, you, two, you two go on home. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to close up for the night. Thank you again. I don't, what is his name? Giuseppe. I, was, I, was, I, was, I decided Giuseppe. Giuseppe Frappuccino. Nope, not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> Giuseppe Nobel. Uh, thank you, Mr. Nobel. And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, you guys exit out. I imagine you've got, like, some last camera gear to load onto the van. Yeah. Can, can the restaurant be called Giuseppe's? Oh, yeah, the restaurant's definitely called Giuseppe's. Okay, perfect. As you're just, like, finishing up and getting in to the van, roll perception. Eight overall. You just kind of catch it, like, in the rearview mirror. You can see, you hear the bell to the door of Giuseppe's go off, and you see someone walking inside. Okay, I turn around to see who's going in. Well, he's got, like, a beanie cap on. You can't really get a good look at him. Got, like, a le- like a leather jacket on. Can I try to, like, see a closer look to see if I, like, what his intentions look like, I guess? Roll insight. 14 overall. Yeah, this, uh, this stranger looks like he's a little tense, a little jittery. Looks like he's ready to fuck shit up. Okay, I was gonna be a little braver, but this is a flashback, so, like, that doesn't make sense. So... Ruby's not gonna just go running it. Ruby points at Bethany. I was like, "It's like, is that guy gonna rob the place?" Maybe. Let's get out of here. Call the police. And I go, "I was like, you, you should call. I, I have an idea." And Ruby makes it sound like they're sirens. And you can see the guy had just pulled a gun out when you started the sirens, and just like had his hands up. You hear the sirens, and the guy like mouths shit, runs out the door, and the guy goes running past the van. Can I try to get a look at him as he's running past the van? No, I think he's, like, running, like, really fast. Okay. Not Myra fast, I'm guessing. Right, right. Not Myra fast speed. Like, you know, this all happens so so fast. 
I uh, I've run back into the restaurant to see if he's okay. Are the sirens still going? What I'm thinking happens is I probably I have less control over my power at the point. So as soon as I run in, I lose concentration and they go away. Giuseppe is breathing and he has his hand against his chest. He's like, "Oh my god, are are you okay? What are you doing back here? You saw that guy. You, you shouldn't have come back in." I I had to make sure you were okay. I'm gonna have to invest in a in a better security system. Oh, that was a bit almost Irish. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good idea. You shouldn't go risking yourself like that. Not not for an old man like me. The young gotta protect the old. I kind of give him a play- playful like punch. You're not that close to each other. <laughs> oh no! And then what do you do? I I guess I. What does Bethany do? Bethany stayed in the van. Do you need a ride anywhere? That was. I'm sure you're shaken up. No, 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 no. I, I, you know, I live right. Uh, pretty much everyone in the North End like lives. If they own a business, they live right above the business. How convenient! Everyone's living a Bob's Burgers type of life. So okay, I run a weenie wagon back home. Okay, I guess. Uh, if you want to file a report, let me know. I can say that I like I saw him going in. I didn't get a good look at him, but I can corroborate your story. That's the word. No, no, I'm not going to bother with any North End cops. Not, not tonight. Okay, like, if if that's how you feel, Ruby doesn't know the North End Police Department's corrupt at this point. Yeah, exactly. What do you do next? Now I go back to the van. Bethany kind of just, like, gives you a bit of a dirty look. You, you know you shouldn't have done that. You know, like, you don't want to reveal who you are, right? All I did is make some siren sounds. It's the North End. It's They're not exactly out of place. Just saying, you know, can't just run into all these things, like, you know, half-cocked. I barely did anything. I didn't run in until after he was gone. Okay. Can we just go home? Sounds good. I think we both need some rest. It is moments after the test has completed. How are you all feeling about it? Fucking Nina. It was breathtaking. Ruby's can't believe she gets to be part of, like, actual sci-fi shit. I want to nudge Betsy and be like, well, that was electrifying. (laughs) It's the first time you've ever seen it. Ramos bursts out laughing. Oh? That's what gets Ramos? Oh, wait, my joke, not the electric thing? Caught him so off guard, I guess in such a good mood, he just burst out laughing from that. Damn. Okay. Like, it's very quick, like, <laughs> And then he, like, studies himself. God, can we end the episode on that? That's the most unbelievable thing that's happened this whole podcast. <laughs> right? I turn to Yardak. I just go, it's electrifying, with, and do a hand motion. I don't drop to the ground. I, I keep my dignity about me. Ramos does not uh, react to that. <laughs> you, you got he, he let himself go for a moment, and he's now back in stoicism. I got a sticker out of him the last mission. You get a sympathy out of me. Kind of nudge laser hawk, and I'd be like, I think we're growing on him. I think you guys are growing on him. Betsy kind of just looks out the window. There's a group of guys kind of moving the whole setup inside now that it's like active. What are you planning on powering with that thing first? Well, we have a couple classified projects that we're working on, you know, trying to decide what the best use of it would be. Next step is to kind of see if we can perhaps, you know, chip a piece off to pull a little bit of power for something smaller. Be able to move it somewhere besides just the space? Exactly, exactly. Something a little more useful to all of Union than to just Echo Base here. How long are you in town for? I've just stopped in for the test. I'll probably be leaving in the morning. Oh, that's too bad. Well, 
things that are keeping me busy, and I'm finally getting all of the other bases into tip-top shape like Ramos has here with Echo. Echo, tip-top shape, and kind of start to go to do the like little salute thing, and then remember that I'm talking to the director and go, maybe not. What about the rest of you? I'm sort of looking out impressed. Like, this is totally out of place for Hogs League, so... I'm just sort of looking going, oh, wow, that's me. Another thing plugged into the thing, and another thing hit the thing, and another thing happened. <laughs> it's pretty neat. It's a good-looking thing. Oh, I just had a worrisome thought. Oh, God, are you worried that the thing is going to do the thing? I, I, I don't know if our brains are on the same track, but I'm worried that there could be a potential power surge, and then all the people in sub-level 4 get let out. Oh, that'd be a bad thing. Don't give the DM ideas! Just a reminder that after the events that occurred with Emily Hahn, that uh, Sub-Level 4 runs on its own separate power grid from the rest of the, the, rest of the base. Okay. Oh, thank fuck. Good. D- I've, I've had to install that because of Dan's constant worry of that situation you just described. And I just, I feel like it'll happen at some point, and I'm just worried about it. We're keeping too many powerful people too close together. There's that one sorceress we've, like, never actually interacted with that much. That's my big fear. Yeah, that's my big fear. I'm scared of her. Hey, can we stop reminding the DM of, uh, previous villains? Everyone kind of goes back to doing their union duties, and, uh, thanks you for, like, stopping by. I go, nope, no problem. Catch you on the flip side, Betsy. Uh, let me know if uh, you're able to hang out while you're in town. Well, perhaps we can uh, catch a drink. Oh, yeah, sure. And we did that recently with a few of the people here. That'd be fun. Rickard kind of just goes, I can walk you guys out. Sounds good to me, buddy. Sounds good. Sloan is kind of, again, just tagging alongside. Like, he's super giddy now. I like happy Sloan. So I imagine you all just, like, head home, or what are y'all doing? I mean, yeah, basically. I mean, if we don't have anything else to do, it's still kind of just going about our day. I asked if I can come see Bodega. Fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, dog trip. So everyone's heading to the laser hut? Yep. Yeah. You can see all the hard work I've been putting into it, moving giant piles from one place to another. Well, so it's the beginning of November, it is starting to get a little cold out, and the sun's starting to set pretty early. So by the time you get back over to the north end, you know, the sun is pretty much finished setting. Throw the door open, flip on a switch, uh, big ol' fluorescent lights kinda light up the area. I imagine kind of in a row, like, in rows, they go chung, 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 chung. Oh, exactly. You know, it kind of reveals, and instead of just bullshit being all over the place, there's actually, like, at least big, clear paths through all the bullshit. And I imagine that as the lights go on, kind of Pavlovianly, Bodega runs on down and jumps in, uh, j- jumps into us, all like, hey, pet, up, pet me, you fucker, I've been here for, like, what, three hours? Jesus. Puppy! And I start petting him. The chaos is more organized now. Good job. I try to keep my chaos organized. And I forget you. Yeah, I know you said you were saran wrapping the window. What'd you do to the skylight? More saran wrap. Not great for the elements. We said I could replace glass with a car. Can I replace glass here? I imagine it would just take some time, but yeah, I think you could. Like, you'd have to create the frame and then, like, the individual panes of glass. I can help you out a bit. It will take me a second. I at least I replaced one of the windows. It's taking me a little bit, so I'm, I'm working on that. I'm working on that and also playing with the dog. I watched Ruby do this, look up, and be like, yeah, I need to get you over one of these Sundays where we're not being murderified. 
Those Sundays are my favorite Sundays. Oh, yeah, I've really grown to appreciate them at my old age. How old is Liz Rock again? 37. Oh. Dan, you sounded really surprised. Yeah, I thought I didn't think it was that old. I've definitely got some gray hairs. 18 years. Yeah, 18 years of this kind of stress. I have to imagine you have a few grays. A spring chicken, I am not. What's Yardak doing? Playing fetch with Bodega. And then uh, trying to help uh, Laserhawk move anything that was a little too heavy for one person to move around and secretly but not so secretly make a better home for Bodega. Hey, it benefits me too. Fuck it. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, we care about Laserhawk, but the dog. But the dog. So, I think uh, while you all are moving things around, suddenly, Laserhawk, you get a, a, a really, like, multiple buzzes from your phone. Uh, I pull it out, and I look at it. Somebody's popular. Yeah, let's hope it's something good for once. So it is a bunch of, like, high-level alerts from your friend Kit Deckard, a.k.a. Data Kraken. Oh boy, what's Kraken got for me? A bunch of security camera footage, some maps and whatnot, and basically the, the subject line is Hydra spotted. I immediately stop what the fuck I'm doing and start looking at that. And the footage is coming from a local science lab named Kent Labs. And you see in the video, it's one of those things where the video, you see Midnight Hydra and Vapor Kappa is with him. And suddenly he just reaches out with a tendril of neon and just destroys the, the camera and the feed goes dead. I look up at Ruby and Yarnak. Does Kent Labs ring a bell? I don't think so. Have we done anything with them? Does it? Again, I'll let Ruby do a filmmaking check just because of, like, from location scouting. What do you got, Yardak? I don't have it. Uh, then you can just make a general intelligence check, I guess. Well, that was a one, so no. So altogether, 30. <laughs> Yardak doesn't recognize it. Ruby recognizes it. It's like a, a fancy high-tech lab up in uh, the Centennial. I, I saw it when I was location scouting, but they charged way too much for me to have been able to use it. Hydra's been spotted. See, I was trying to get permission to go up there, and they are just breaking in. Very rude of them. This was literally, like, minutes ago. If we move fast, we can catch up. Okay, I could. I think that'd be cool. I basically just move my hand over my face, and my mask appears. Let's go. And I guess we run to the van. I mean, I guess I'm gonna arrive with the van. I recognize, and it's probably gonna be more... Useful for me to have backup than to go in alone against Kappa and Hydra. I put the logo on the van. As you as you walk by to the, to the driver's side. Basically, it looks like I'm keying the car, except my hand is making the logo appear. It's like the opposite of keying a car. Make it cooler. Ruby, then, roll me a vehicle check. This dice is a good dice today. 25. You know, Laserhawk, I realize that we kind of talked about this before. Don't you have some kind of, like, police scanner? Sure. I just, I could have sworn we talked about this one in the base. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, we totally decided on that. That would totally make sense for Laserhawk. Yeah, I imagine, like, you, you're hearing some calls, like, for, for backup to Kent Labs and stuff on your way there. Ruby is able to dip and dive in between traffic. It's a little busy out, and you're making your way through the downtown. Like I would say I know the back streets yeah. that to avoid the traffic. You're able to go over the Kirby Bridge, get into downtown, make your way across the bridge to the Centennial, and you're starting to get close when you can see explosions in the distance way down the road. You see, like, a, a cop car go flipping over. We were having such a happy episode. <laughs> Sparks fist. 
I'm worried because we still have a flashback for tragic backstory over here. (laughs) (laughs) Great. I mean, when you learn it like that, I'm so excited. And what do you do next? Like, what do you guys do as you're approaching? My fists are sparked. I'm just running through strategy in my head. Rip the cap off my water skin and hold my hands up. Like, we still need to drive more to get to, like, where the stuff is happening, right? You're, like, a block or two away at this point, and that's when you see, like, the the explosion. Okay, I guess I keep driving towards it, because we're going to get there faster by van, by them, like, us running. And as you start approaching, you see Vapor Kappa combat roll into the street, kind of takes a look about and sees you coming towards them, and you see Midnight Hydra kind of strolling out with, like, a giant item, like, on his shoulder. I think I do the swervy stop to the van when I see them. Okay, you rolled a really good vehicle check, so I'll say that that was just successful. Yeah! Alright, swerve to a stop. What do you guys do? As she swervy stops, I would like to just lunge myself out of the passenger window and swing at Vapor Kappa. Alright, I'm gonna definitely need an acrobatics check out of that. <laughs> oh, I figured this much. Sorry, I'm just thinking about, so like, did you swerve with the passenger side facing towards them then? You know what? Yes, because I figured that he would want to get the pun- to the punchy fast. He's extra. So then just a reminder that Yardek, Yardek's going to have to exit out of either the driver's side or the back. If he's in the passenger side, I assume Yardek's in the back of the van. Yeah, so then I'll jump out of the back then, in a, in a less uh, fancy fashion. He's less dramatic, I just casually get out of the van. Laserhawk, roll me an acrobatics check. Sir, yes, sir. 26. You, you're able to do that, and you kind of get a good bit of momentum from the speed the van was going at. Mine, 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 mine. And I imagine this is going to be, in a way, more of a charge attack. Like, you're basically tackling him, in a way. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess I'll let you decide. If you do a charge attack, uh, I'm going to, it'll be, I'll say it's successful, but you'll have to take some potential damage of your own from tackling. Or I'll let you roll to try to hit and see if he dodges. Worth it. I'll take the hit. Okay. Sorry, it's not a charge, it's a slam attack. Well then, come on, slam, and welcome to the jam. The damage rank for your attack equals your movement speed or your normal damage rank with a plus one circumstance bonus, whichever is higher. Uh, well, that would be a plus ten. Where am I going to have my, uh... What's your Pulsar Pogo? Pulsar Pogo I have eight points into. Okay, so yeah, your normal attack would be more then. So you're going to make a toughness check of your own against a DC of 20. I'm feeling good about this. Feeling great about this. Oh, that's going to be a 23, bud. Okay, you're fine, you know, like, you kind of, uh, you know, scrape along the ground a little bit, you know, a little bit of bruising and cutting, but you're not, it's not gonna get you down. Uh, meanwhile, you slam straight into Vapor Kappa, who just did not react in time, like, I think he was expecting you to try for a punch that he could have, like, countered, but instead you just slammed right into him, and he goes, like, you land on top of him, and you both slide along the ground, and he is pretty bloodied. Ooh. Cool. He's not unconscious, though, and he does get out from underneath you. <laughs> Tag, you're it. Laserhawk, what is your dodge plus 10? It's going to be a 16. So Midnight Hydra, upon seeing you do this, sends a blast of neon at you. It kind of puts you back up on your feet, but also slides you back away from Vapor Kappa. No fair, you're not it. I'll make this real simple, Laserhawk. You give me Tiger back. Or I will terrorize this city and bring it to its knees. 
I'll make this real simple, Hydra. You give me my fiance back, and I'll leave you a wait a minute. You can't. They took her to the dark place. Can I use a hero point as a reaction while that guy is distracted by Laserhawk to make like a one of the boxes over him and try to crush him? So no. <laughs> so no. Specifically because Laserhawk. It is a year and a half ago, and you are in Highwind City. <laughs> Here it is. What did a normal morning look like for you? An average morning, a year and a half ago. Well, I would have probably woken up about 7.30, uh, made breakfast before my loving and, God, so handsome fiancé, uh, Anthony, wakes up. You know, I can imagine that maybe this is my week with the kids, so I make sure to wake him up, spend some quality time with my little Carl. God, I just love that little guy so much. He means the world to me, you know? <laughs> Until. I imagine you are you are making breakfast, and Anthony, like, woke up on his own, he smells the breakfast, he's kind of stretching, and he comes out into the kitchen, and he uh, kind of ruffles Carl's hair. Hey, babe, good morning. Morning, sunshine. What you making? Eggs, toast, nothing special. You know, just something quick. Awesome, awesome. I got a late shift tonight, so this is a nice way to start the day. Aw, anything for you, hon. <laughs> yep. This is so sad. <laughs> okay. Three lines, and we have developed that like this is a very healthy, happy relationship. <laughs> Until it wasn't. Basically. And he, you know, is eating a little bit of the food. I imagine he's, like, on a, on a tablet, kind of reading the news. Uh, looks like the mayor might be raising some property taxes. <sighs> of course. Let me guess, middle class neighborhood again? It doesn't specify. It's all kind of conjecture right now. But, you know, whatever. I imagine that El Mahid is going to do, do good by us. I hope you're right, but... <laughs> you know this state's uh, track record with politicians. All of them are corrupt. Good old Michigan. And, and he kind of looks up at you and goes... Now, come on. Kaleem was really nice when we met him at the officer's gala. Look, honey, I was in Detroit when the whole Kwame thing went down. I'm gonna be honest, it's gonna take a little bit for me to- This is shit that actually happened, Nursi. But I- The one person from Detroit who listens to this is gonna be like, Oh, shit. He's bringing the Kwame shit into this. What does any of this mean? Uh, Kwame Kilpatrick was the former mayor of Detroit, corrupt as fuck, funneled a lot of city funds into his own private bank account, and wasn't shy about that spending. Well, that sounds... not great. I think he legit got busted with a bunch of, uh, hookers and blow, which, if you're gonna go out as a rock star mayor, that's a pretty good way of doing it. Anyway, he, he goes back to doing his reading, and he, sa- he checks his watch, and he says, I should probably get ready for my shift. All right, hon. Don't work yourself too hard, all right? You and Carl should go out and do something fun today. You don't you don't get too many days off when he's also here. You right, you right. What do you think of little guy? Aw, oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, my son's morny. Wait, how old is he? <laughs> how old? Uh, I think he's like 10 or 11, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, something like that. All right. Aw, oh, jeez, Dad, I, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I'm not going to actually do the morning voice. I'm just having so much fun with it. Please... I'll never be able to take this child seriously. I already can't. I I'm aware. <laughs> uh, Dad, yeah, I I uh I I don't know. Um, just we can go downtown to the park. If you're not doing anything. Sounds good to me, kid. Whole day is yours. I'm just a guy with the keys. Is this the, the like one good day with you? He'll talk about in therapy as an adult. 
I like to think that they were great of those until it happened. Okay. I was a great dad until I wasn't, okay? Well, yeah, where do you take him? I take him to the park, maybe get some ice cream. If there's something in the movie theater, I'll take him to the movies or something. You know, just whatever my kid wants to do, man. I just want to see him smile. And now he doesn't see him at all. You go to the movies, and you and you hang out at the park. It's like a beautiful day out, and you do suddenly get a buzz on your phone, though. Which I imagine is a nicer smartphone at the time. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, I checked the phone. Sergeant Bianca Jefferson, your direct superior at the station. Give me one sec, kid. Work. What's up, Sarge? Blay, I need you to come in today. It's urgent. Ah, uh, I can't wait. I I could really use the extra hands right now. We had we had a couple people call out sick, and you know it's just uh, you know we're a little short staffed. Let me get a hold of my ex-wife, and I will uh, be in as soon as I can. Thanks, Blaya. Uh, I owe you one. And I hang up, and I get down on one knee, look at the kid. All right, bud, you want the good news or the bad news first? Uh, the good news? Well, the good news is we're swinging by Seven Eleven, and I'm getting you a Slurpee. And he loves Slurpees, so he's so happy. Bad news is, I got called into work, but I will make it up to you. And his face kind of drops, and he says, Well, I mean, we'll still be together tomorrow, right? Like, I'm not going back to Mom's, am I? You know what? My kid's old enough to stay at home. Alright, but don't tell your mom I let you stay at home by yourself. And I swear to God, if you've eaten all the cookies, you're in big trouble, young man. Can you call Anthony? He's at work. Oh. They work at the same precinct. Oh, I didn't realize Anthony was a cop, too. Alright, so you take uh, Carl Lance and you drop him off? Yep, pick him up with Slurpee first, make sure to get him a large, because he looks pretty bummed. Yeah, you set him up, he's all good, you know, he's, he's got some video games to play and stuff, and, and he's just gonna, gonna chill. Do you leave him, like, pizza money or anything? Oh, totally. Kid's gonna go hog-fucking-wild. Dude, are you kidding me? I leave a $50 bill on the counter for my boy, only the best for Carl. Do you explain the concept of tipping? Yes, my son knows about tipping. I have raised him to be an outstanding young man. Good. All right, and then you head into work? Yeah, kind of button up my shirt as I'm walking in. Yeah, you get into the precinct, and it's a bit of a madhouse. Like, it takes, like, two officers to hold down one guy. He's, like, going real wild. His muscles are, like, bulging and shit. Well, that's different. These fucking slam packs coming out of Riverside. Slam what now? Don't worry about it. We're taking care of it. Just, you know, that's, I think that's part of why we're so shorthanded today. Sure you don't need my help with this juice head. No, 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 no. And they get him into a cell. He's pounding at the gate. He's not like the guy that uh, Ruby chopped the arm off of. Like, he's rather normal looking. All right, well, I'm going to go punch in to get a cup of Joe, boys. No sooner after you punch in, you're just about to reach for the coffee. Of course, as it always goes. And suddenly you hear, hear a bulletin. 522 at Highwind Bank. 522 at Highwind Bank. Duty calls. I guess I'm going to slip up to the roof, uh, throw on the outfit, and up, up, and away. Oh, so you're going as uh, as Laserhawk? You know what? Yeah, you're right. I don't have to. All right. Well, I guess I'm going to go over as- No, I'm just asking. I've got enough of the Laserhawk outfit on underneath my outfit to just sort of rip it off if I need to. You get in a squad car. You head over. Uh, when you get there, there's a bit of a perimeter around this bank. You can see a little bit of them. It looks like there's some hostages involved. Uh, am I able to identify, like, a commanding officer or something like that? The commanding officer at the scene is actually, uh, Anthony. I think you guys are, like, the same rank, too. Alright, well, in that case, I'm gonna make my way over to Anthony. What's the cinch? Yeah, it looks like, uh, they, they busted in right before the place closed. Looks like a security guard, couple tellers, bank manager, and, uh, and a kid. I'm gonna lean in real close to him. 
Is it time for a light show? And he thinks for a moment. We can try and distract them with a breach. You can try and sneak your way in to uh to protect the hostages. Swine and pay you the big bucks, sweetie, and I kinda rush off to get prepared. Roll a stealth check. Unnatural twenty. Oh yeah, you're not seen at all. Like you use your commanding presence as an officer to kinda just slip your way out. Out of sight. And then from there I duck into the nearest alley. Switch into the uniform, which at this point I can imagine at least looks cleaner. Yeah. Like, probably like a proper jumpsuit at that point, like... Yeah. Something blue, colorful. Did you have the denim? I don't think I would have had the denim yet. I was gonna say that I think think the denim belonged to somebody. I like that. I like that, yeah, no denim yet. What do you do to get into the bank? There's like, you know, rooftop entrance, there's a back entrance, you know, you see some windows. Oh, rooftop, easily. Alright, you just like sneak your way in... Yeah, basically. Yeah, you also, you rolled really well on your stealth, so I'm not gonna make you roll again for sneaking this time. Okay. And, uh, yeah, you can kind of get a layout, uh, of the bank, and you see, like, the hostages that were previously mentioned all kind of gathered up. Kid looks terrified. There's one guy guarding them, there's, like, three over at the safe, and they're kind of pressuring one of the tellers to open the safe. At this point, I'm just waiting for my distraction before I go for the guy who's closest to the hostages. And you hear Anthony on the bullhorn... This is the Highwind Police. You are surrounded. If you do not come out, we will be forced to enter. You have exactly one minute. And then they're all kind of panicking. The the guy guarding the hostages is swiping the gun back and forth, and none of them seem to be paying attention to you. I wait 45 seconds. You hear a breach go off at the front door. You don't see anybody. You just hear it go off and, like, some smoke coming from it. At that point, I kind of essentially do the same thing I just did to Vapor Kappa, only with the dickhead closest to the hostages, which is sort of leap forward, only like instead of tackling them, I just taser fist them right in the mouth. Roll a taser fist check. Alright. 29. He goes down like a sack of potatoes. Gun goes flying across the room, uh, like away from the hostages and everything. The police are still like outside, so there's like a, like a room between you and them still. Have the other two noticed? They just got the safe open when you just pounced this guy. And they can't quite see you because there's like some doors in between. I'd like to make a deposit. Three bad guys to the nearest jail cell, please. They all turn and they kind of fire at you. And they all just kind of spraying wildly, but you're able to like narrowly dip and dive in between the, in between the shots. Uh, what are you doing? Well, I guess as soon as they're done shooting, I kind of look up at them. Come on now. There's children pleasant. No need to be violent. Well, except this. A nice solar shotgun. One of them. Alright, uh, roll an attack. Oh, that would be a... 29. He goes back, slams against the wall, and, and just he just goes down in a crumpled heap. This guy uh, grabs the teller and, like, points the gun at her. You're gonna let me out of here, man. May I intimidate now? Sure. 26, 11 plus 15. He's definitely intimidated. He throws her, like, towards you, and, like, just does a spray of fire as he takes off running away. I follow. That wasn't very nice. Roll a perception check. Unnatural 20. As you start taking off, like, you see behind you, the cops are finally coming in, uh, and you also see that he hit the kid. Oh, no. Yeah, he's not getting away. I'm beating the shit out of him. 
Okay. What do you do? Like, I follow. As you're coming around the corner, he's running out of the back door of the place into the alley. Do I have enough time to hit him with a solar shotgun before he, the door closes? I think so. Yeah. All right. Click, click, boom. Uh, 19. So, like, you graze him, and he kind of, like, slams into the door, but that kind of gets to his feet again and takes off running. I'm still following him. And he's kind of, like, falling over himself just from, you know, like, taking that hit. You catch up to him pretty easily. Uh, can I, like, grapple him? Sure. Uh, uh, you can even do that as just a routine check, because he's, like, you know, just a dude. Alright, yeah, so basically I'm gonna grab him by, the, like, the scuff, uh, scruff of his shirt, slam him against the wall a couple times. Is that is that all you're doing? You're just like you're slamming him against the wall. Yeah, I need to let out some aggression. Uh, yeah, you're bloodying him up pretty bad. Like between the the solar shotgun blast and being hit hit repeatedly against the wall, starting to like bleed from his mouth a little bit. I have handcuffs on me, right? I assume as a cop, I'd have some handcuffs. Yeah. Uh, yeah. At that point, I just sort of like let him fall to the ground, cuff him, pick him up. Uh, before you you try to cuff him, and he like spits blood in your face and like punches you in the face. I feel like now's a good time for another intimidation check. Okay, how are you intimidating him? Look, bud. Unless you want to be a hell of a lot red than you are right now, you're just gonna give up. You shot a kid, and I'm showing a lot of restraint right now by letting you even be awake. Damn. Whatever, man. Fuck you, fascist. You just tried to rob a bank. Fuck you. You shot a kid. Fuck you again. And I think as you're trying to, like, handcuff him, that's when Anthony comes out. I look up at him and immediately ask, please tell me the kid's okay. He's gonna, he's gonna make it. He's gonna be alright, but... And he whispers this, Jesus, Brock, you went off on this guy. It was... Kid. Just like I know you're—I know you kind of already operate a little bit outside the law, but you gotta puts his hand on your shoulder. He's like, you gotta keep it together. <sighs> no, you're right. You're right. You gotta be the beacon for Highwind. That's—that's that's what Laserhawk is, right? I know. Just and I lean in real close and just. What if that would have been Carl? What if that... What if that would have been you? I know. I know. Chapter 37 With Tired Eyes, Tired Minds Masks and Mayhem uses the game Mutants and Masterminds 3rd Edition by Green Ronin Publishing. We are not affiliated. The podcast is written, produced, and given flashbacks to a simpler time by myself, R.C. Byler. You can leave us a review on podchaser.com if you want to give us some feedback about the show. Your review might even be read out in a future episode. Masks and Mayhem is a member of the New England Podcast Consortium. Other members can be found at newenglandpodcasts.com. Our official art is by Jen Evans, and our branding is by AJ Solomon. Our theme music is by Cloud Road Music. Additional music credits, social media links, blog posts, and episodes can be found on our website at masksandmayhem.com.
Yeah, put it on the big emotions. Oh, like the whole sesh? <laughs> Basically. How did everyone feel tonight? I think the more important question is, how did I play that off? <laughs> did it hurt? I wanted that to hurt. I mean, you heard me go, oof, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I didn't hear nothing from Yarnak, though. Oh, no, that's what I was like, oh, we're going to add on the big fucking emotions, huh? <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least he's alive. I genuinely didn't think that that was going to happen when I heard that we were getting flashbacks tonight. No, no, I made it a, a year and a half ago because I specifically, like, I wanted it to, like I said before, everything has really occurred so far. That's fair, that's fair. I, I Yeah, I liked playing, like, really early on Ruby, who was, like, a little less brave and Bethany a little more skeptical. I like the idea that Ruby's apparently been hanging out with this restaurant owner, and we just did we're never talked about it. I'm happy that I finally got to meet Myra, kind of. Yes, we gotta get her back for an actual fucking episode. There's gotta be a crossover at some point. That would be hella dope. I don't think crossover is the right word for what we're describing. I think we're. I think special guest star is the word you're looking for. Let's start with the present. What did everyone think about the present storyline? It was like nice seeing like things going well at Union for once. Know how like apprehensive we were. I was like, "You're doing shit. Stuff's gonna go wrong." Everything was positive for the most part. Yeah, which we don't get that often. Mostly good things. Episode. I I do think that there was a correlation, not entirely on purpose, between things getting more emotionally heightened for the end of both the present and obviously for for the flashbacks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, I'm happy with how that turned out. Oh, I was going to say, it was nice seeing, especially because, like, we didn't get to see what, like, uh, Laserhawk was, like, that that time. Like, we kind of saw what, like, me and Yardak were like, but it was nice seeing, nice seeing non, like, traumatized Laserhawk, or less traumatized Laserhawk. Pre-TSD Laserhawk. Pre-TSD. And how did everyone feel about their individual uh, flashbacks? I feel like they didn't, like, we each got one, but they didn't take long, it felt like. Yeah. Like, it wasn't like, oh, I'm just, like, sitting here. I was gonna say, that's always the risk I run when we do individualized things like that. Did everyone feel, like, good about their participation and what happened? Oh, yeah, totally. They all, like, had emotional stakes, but in a less dramatic way than, like, they usually do. So it was nice to, like, I mean, there was, like, real stakes, but, like, they weren't, like, so much like the shit that's happening to Ruby recently. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I definitely, like, I wanted to make sure that you felt that there was, even though they are flashbacks, and we had to, obviously, like, it couldn't be a game changer, like, Bethany couldn't die. (laughs) (laughs) Giuseppe, for example, is someone I, you know, obviously, like I said, we have to kind of retcon a little bit that he has existed the whole time. It would, it would have been completely plausible that something could happen that keeps you from ever talking to him again, or for him to die, like, you know, he's not someone who's previously established. Yeah. But I liked... You know, your solution, and I like the fact that you have, like, another contact in the North End that, you know, increases your ties to it. Yeah. Um, I like that Yardak has something that, like, you know, it ties into his existing, ongoing struggle with Atlantis. Maybe the shit ton of friends that run or work in restaurants. <laughs> we are always fucking hungry. Well, you've got Jack, you've got Giuseppe, you've got Ruth. Well, to be fair, Ruth works everywhere. Yeah, Ruth just is very busy and still not very rich. <laughs> I, like, wasn't even, that wasn't even the reason I chose a filming location. I just had an idea for a specific scene. Well, it totally worked. I just thought that was a humorous observation. I mean, honestly, I feel like they know the most. And how do you feel, uh, I'm just going to focus on Laser Arc just for a bit because we kind of ended 
in both step, steps, we kind of ended with him. How did we? How did you feel about it, Brandon? Man, that flashback was a little more emotionally taxing than I thought it'd be. I uh, I, I wasn't expecting to like properly play out like a happy laser hawk. I guess because I kind of got my time frame mixed up a little bit. So just doing that was weird. Yeah, if it wouldn't been for the fact that the robber was there and you were in your laser hawk outfit, I definitely would have had something. Like, I definitely think that Anthony would have been a bit more like. I don't mean to sexually like intimate with you about it, like about like trying to comfort you. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Like, I was like, no, we can't have the like the police officer on the scene like putting his forehead against laser hawks. People start writing fan fiction about them. You and your goddamn fan fiction.